Sorry, I had to get across the room. Lord, thank you for bringing us all together. Uh, be with us. We have unspoken prayer requests, and uh, everybody's got something they're dealing with. We uh, we pray that you bring us knowledge in your word and uh, peace and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Anybody got a specific Bible they want me to read from? They HCSB. <laughs> All right. I got you. That's becoming my go-to Bible now. It's, I like it. It ain't perfect. It ain't perfect, but I like it. It's, it's pretty balanced. Um, all right. <clears throat> I hate reading names in it, though. So cool. <laughs> this is the, the Korah Torah portion. It says, Now Korah, son of Izar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took 250 prominent Israelite men who were leaders of the community and representatives in the assembly, and they rebelled against Moses. They came together against Moses and Aaron and told them, you have gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt, yourself, exalt yourselves above the Lord's assembly? When Moses heard this, he fell face down. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, Tomorrow morning the Lord will reveal who belongs to him, who is set apart, and the one he will let come near him. He will let the one he chooses come near him. Korah, you and all your followers are to do this. Take fire pans and tomorrow place, them in, place fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord. Then the man the Lord chooses will be the one who is set apart. It is you Levites who have gone too far. Moses also told Korah, Now listen, Levites, isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the Israelite community to bring you near to himself, to perform the work at the Lord's tabernacle, and to stand before the community to minister to them? He has brought you near, and all, you fellow, all your fellow Levites who are with you, but you are seeking the priesthood as well. Therefore, it is you and all your followers who have conspired against the Lord. As for Aaron, who is he that you should complain about him? Moses sent for Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, we will not come. Is it not enough that you brought us from a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? Do you also have to appoint yourself as ruler over us? Furthermore, you didn't bring us to a land flowing with milk and honey or give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? We will not come. Then Moses became angry and said to the Lord, Don't respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them or mistreated a single one of them. So Moses told Korah, You and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you, they, and Aaron. Each one of you is to take his firepan, place incense on it, and present his firepan before the Lord, 250 firepans. You and Aaron are also to present your firepan, or are to each present your firepan also. Each man took his firepan, placed fire on, in it, 
put incense on it, and stood at the entrance to the tent of meeting along with Moses and Aaron. After Korah assembled the whole community against them at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this community so I may consume them instantly. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and said, God, God of our spirits, or God of the spirits of all flesh, when one man sins, will you vent your wrath on the whole community? The Lord replied to Moses, tell the community, get away from the dwellings of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the community, get away now from the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything that belongs to them, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they got away from the dwellings of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Meanwhile, Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the entrance of their tents with their wives, children, and infants. Then Moses said, This is how you will know that the Lord sent me to do all these things, and it was not of my own will. If these men die naturally, as all people would, and suffer the fate of all, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something un unprecedented, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them along with all that belongs to them so that they go down alive into Sheol, then you will know that these men have despised the Lord. Just as he finished speaking all these words, the ground beneath them split open. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households, all Korah's people and all their possessions. They went down alive into Sheol with all that belonged to them. The earth closed over them, and they vanished from the assembly. At their cries, all the people of Israel who were around them fled because they thought the earth may swallow us too. Fire also came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were presenting the incense. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, to remove the fire pans from the burning debris because they are holy and scatter the fire far away. As for the firepans of those who sinned at the cost of their own lives, make them into hammered sheets as plating for the altar, for they presented them before the Lord, and the firepans are holy. They will be a sign to the Israelites. So Eleazar the priest took the bronze firepans, and those who were burned had presented, and they were hammered into plating for the altar, just as the Lord commanded him through Moses. <clears throat> It was to be a reminder for the Israelites that no unauthorized person outside the lineage of Aaron should approach to offer incense before the Lord and become like Korah and his followers. The next day, the entire Israelite community complained about Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the Lord's people. When the community assembled against them, Moses and Aaron turned toward the tent of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the Lord's glory appeared. Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord said to Moses, Get away from this community so that I may consume them instantly. But they fell face down. Then Moses told Aaron, take your fire pan, place fire from the altar in it, and add incense. Go quickly to the community and make atonement for them, because wrath has come from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron took his fire pan, as Moses had ordered, ran into the middle of the assembly, and saw that the plague had begun among the people. After he added incense, he made atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was halted. But those who died from the plague numbered 14,700. 
in addition to those who died because of the Korah incident. Aaron then returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting since the plague had been halted. You notice how Moses and Aaron in some cases fell down on their face and started interceding for people. Yeah, because they, they knew what was going to happen if they didn't. That's what our Messiah does for us. Absolutely. That's. Can you imagine being having a responsibility like that and be, and being entrusted not only not only knowing God like face to face knowing God and knowing what your instructions are, but then having to herd cats <laughs> and and keep keep your people in line knowing that like that you that you are the intercessor yeah yeah but definitely, they they were definitely strong-minded individuals uh. you ever heard the phrase um our erring sons were priests but not our erring sons was high priests that's what Diston was. He was jealous. He was already a priest. He was already a Levi. But that wasn't good enough for him. He had to speak evil against his brother and the land. I think so. This this passage right here. Um, I wish that more people understood that the concept that we're now under now. You know, you can't reject Messiah and have God. You know, we know Messiah as Yeshua of Nazareth. It's not a new concept. This is why um, a lot of people will say that the, the Bible is monotheistic. Well, <laughs> there is one most high God, yes, but he always sets up people through agency, right? And if you rejected the people he anointed, the people that he put on the forefront, then you rejected God. It's always been that way. Mm -hmm. Look back to Noah. When Noah said, hey, God's going to flood the earth, get on the ark. And people said, you're crazy. They rejected Noah. They rejected God. It's always been, it's the, been the same story since the beginning. <laughs> and this is one of the, the main things that, you know, you can show people like, these Korah and his sons and, and the people with them in the rebellion rejected Moses. And how did that go for them? Now parallel that with now, what happens if you reject the son? Right. There's one translation. It says they went, they went to show, show how you say hell for with the S word. Hell. Yeah. Alive. That's what one translation says. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what this says. It's amazing. Yeah, they didn't die first. They went straight there alive. Yes, ma'am. And too, if you notice in the Torah, as you read on through certain stories, you will see that God removed the righteous before he destroyed the wicked. 
that's a good point. That's a good point. You said separate yourself or else you're going to get it too. <laughs> yep, that's a good point. Or you can look at it this way. They set themselves apart from the others. So yep. they didn't take the destruction. They told him not even touch nothing. They're toys. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Didn't you already read the part where the the bowls that they use to burn the incense, the two hundred and fifty? He told them to take it up for it's it's pure and holy now. Yeah, the yeah the fire pans made it for plating for the altar. They was unholy because of the incense that they burned up in them. But after his fire consumed them, he said they're holy now. Just pull the coal, um, coals out of them. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. That actually reminds me of the literally what I just read in Proverbs today. It says this. Proverbs 17.3. The refining pot is for the silver and the furnace for gold, but Yahweh tests the heart. Remind me of that. All right. And one more thing I thought of. You notice in the last three Torah portions, it's, spo it's spoken of in them of the evil tongue, evil speech. That's three Torah portions in a row it's done now. So he's trying to tell us what brother that tongue came Not just you, all of us. I got the same thing. <laughs> same thing. That is, yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the reason I was put in the position where I'm at right now, work and stuff like that. I do not want this job. I'm trying to get another one, but I have noticed a just the way that we got a small little warehouse or whatever there's only about seven people six seven people that work on with our little crew or whatever but i do not desire to be around those guys because number one how they talk just some of the things they say are very profane and it has truly, like when I first started, I'd sit out in the little break area with them or whatever. And this is not a boast to myself. It's just talking about the wickedness of men. <laughs> That's it. Because I, I used to sit out in the little break area, you know, with them when I first started. But it just got to be where I'd, I didn't want to be around them. So I'd sit in a totally separate area, you know. And it's not that they're unhelpable or whatever because i have i have tried to talk about god to every single one of them 
that's just what I do. But yeah, it's you're right. That that bridle your tongue. Like my wife said earlier, you got you got the power of life and you got the power of death in the tongue. But that verse say, sweet and bitter water can't come out the same well. Amen. Amen to that. I'll read 17 real quick. It's pretty small. Um, As the Lord instructed Moses, speak to the Israelites and take one staff from them for each ancestral house. 12 staffs from all the leaders of their ancestral houses. Write each man's name on his staff. Write Aaron's name on Levi's staff because there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral house. Then place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony where I meet with you. The staff of the man I choose will sprout and I will rid myself of the Israelites' complaints that they have been making about you. So Moses spoke to the Israelites and each of their leaders gave him a staff one for each of the leaders of their ancestral houses, 12 staffs in all. Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. The next day, Moses entered the tent of the testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, representing the house of Levi, had sprouted, formed buds, blossomed, and produced almonds. Moses then brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They saw them, and each man took his own staff. The Lord told Moses, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels so that they so that you may put an end to all their complaints before me or else they will die. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Then the Israelites declared to Moses, look, we're perishing. We're lost. We're all lost. Anyone who comes near the Lord's tabernacle will die. Will we all perish? You want me to just keep reading 18? <laughs> yeah go ahead to the next one tied in right. it says the Lord said to Aaron you your sons and your ancestral house will be responsible for sin against the sanctuary you and your sons will be will be responsible for sin involving your priesthood but also bring your relatives with you from the tribe of Levi your ancestral tribe so that they may join you and assist you and your sons in front of the tent of the testimony they are to perform duties for you and for the whole tent. They must not come near the sanctuary equipment or the altar. Otherwise, both they and you will die. They are to join you and guard the tent of meeting, doing all the work at the tent, but no unauthorized person may come near you. You are to guard the sanctuary and the altar so that wrath may not fall on the Israelites again. Look, I have selected your fellow Levites from the Israelites as a gift for you, assigning are assigned by the Lord to work at the tent of meeting. But you and your sons will carry out your priestly responsibilities for everything concerning the altar and for what is inside the veil, and you will do that work. I am giving you the work of the priesthood as a gift, but an unauthorized person who comes near the sanctuary will be put to death. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, Look, I have put you in charge of the contributions brought to me, as for all the holy offerings of the Israelites, I have given them to you and your sons as a portion and a permanent statue. A portion of the holiest offerings kept from the fire will be yours. Every one of their offerings that they give me, 
whether the grain offering, sin offering, or restitution offering, will be most holy for you and your sons. You are to eat it at a most hol- as a most holy offering. Every male may eat it. It is to be holy to you. The contribution of their gifts also belongs to you. I have given all the Israelites presentation offerings to you and to your sons and daughters as a permanent statue. Every ceremonially clean person in your house may eat of it. I am giving you all the best of the fresh olive oil, new wine, and grain, which the Israelites give to the Lord as their first fruits, the first fruits of all that is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, belong to you. Every clean person in your house may eat them. Everything in Israel that is permanently dedicated to the Lord belongs to you. The firstborn of every living thing, man or animal, presented to the Lord belongs to you. But you must certainly redeem the firstborn of man and redeem the firstborn of an unclean animal. You will pay the redemption price for a month-old male according to your assessment. Five shekels of silver by the standard sanctuary shekel, which is five garas. However, you must not redeem the firstborn of an ox, a sheep, or a goat. They are holy. You are to sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as a fire offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But their meat belongs to you. It belongs to you like the breast of the presentation offering and the right thigh. I give it. I give to you and to your sons and daughters all the holy contributions that the Israelites present to the Lord as a permanent statue. It is a permanent covenant of salt before the Lord for you as well as your offspring. The Lord told Aaron, you will not have an inheritance in their land. There will be no portion among them for you. I am your portion and your inheritance among the Israelites. Look, I have given the Levites every tenth in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work that they do, the work of the tent of meeting. The Israelites must never come near the tent of meeting, where they will incur guilt and die. The Levites will do the work of the tent of meeting, and they will bear the consequences of their sin. The Levites will not receive an inheritance among the Israelites. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations. For I have given them the tent, the tenth that the Israelites present to the Lord as a contribution for their inheritance. That is why I told them that they would not receive an inheritance among the Israelites. The Lord instructed Moses, speak to the Levites and tell them, when you receive from the Israelites the tenth that I have given you as your inheritance, you must present part of it as an offering to the Lord, a tenth of the tenth. Your offering will be credited to you as if if it were your grain offering, from the threshing floor or the full harvest from the wine press, you are to present an offering to the Lord from every tenth you receive from the Israelites. Give some of it to Aaron the priest as an offering to the Lord. You must present the entire offering to the Lord from all your gifts. The best part of the tenth is to be consecrated. Tell them further once you have presented the best part of the tenth and it is credited to you, Levites, as the produce of the threshing floor or the wine press. Then you and your household may eat it anywhere. It is your wage in return for your work at the tent of meeting. You will not incur guilt because of it once you have presented the best part of it. But you must not defile the Israelites' holy offerings so that you will not die. They laid the rules down for that priesthood, didn't they? Yes, ma'am. 
that reminded me of this. Uh, Leviticus 2.13, you are to season each of your grain offerings with salt. You must not omit from your grain offerings the salt of the covenant with your God. You are to present salt with each of your uh, offerings. When I hear salt like that, the first thing that comes to my mind from cooking in red do is preserving. It's to preserve. It's to add flavor, but mostly like when you're canning and stuff like that, it's to preserve things. How do y'all see it? Salt is to pre preserve things. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I look at it in that connotation, but I also look at it as you know, growing up, everybody and, and it still happens today, but like people will say that, you know, you can never make God happy, this, that, and the other. Nothing you do is pleasing to God. But I look at it, especially because of that salt of the covenant, that aspect is when you keep that and, and take into consideration uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, where uh, Messiah says, you are the salt of the earth. I think that it's a, it goes back to the pleasing aroma. I think that when he sees, you know, his children in covenant with him, walking in obedience, it, it is a pleasing thing to him. And that's why that salt made me think back to the salt of the covenant. I think that's a very, very interesting thing that I never would have saw if I had never went back to the Old Testament. <laughs> I apologize. I didn't realize my mic was not muted. My phone been going off for the last five minutes. Oh, I didn't hear nothing. All right. This thing does pretty good at canceling stuff out. <laughs> When it says that we are the salt of the earth, do you see it too in a, in a different way as in we're supposed to preserve the earth, take care of it? It says the righteous inherit the earth. I can see that. Yeah. As the do part, you know. Yeah, the, it's interesting that the, the HCSB says believers are salt and light. That's the subheading for that section in Matthew 5. Yeah, we would preserve the righteous paths and we would be the light to show other people those righteous paths. 
because ultimately, <laughs> you know, kingdom come, that's exactly what the standard's going to be. Mm-hmm. Go through all the Old Testament, all the prophets, and there's even specific curses that are uh, given if you don't do certain things. We all know Zechariah 14. All those that do not come to New Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles will not get rain on their crops. Which I've, as I stated before, uh, that just shows mercy too. Because what happens, let's think back to Joseph. What happens if they don't get rain on their crops? Where are they going to go? To New Jerusalem to get food. And they're going to get two different types of food. They're going to get sustenance for their physical bodies. And they're going to get sustenance for their souls. Because out uh, the, the law will go forth from Mount Zion. So it's almost like no matter what, he's telling you, you're going to come here and you're going to learn the law. This is how you're going to walk. And it's not so much, yes, he is a righteous king and he requires obedience. That's something that I wish I would have been taught a long time ago. He requires obedience. It's not just, well, we do it because we love him. No, he requires that you are obedient to him. But with that is also grace, because if you do walk in in his obedience, then you will be blessed. So. I've seen your message, by the way, Nicole. It's the HCSB, Holman Christian Standard Bible. Thank you. I never heard of that one. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Micah, um, well, Micah uses it a lot, and he ended up making me like it. But also, uh, Matthew Jansen, I think he started reading it because of Matthew Jansen. <laughs> so that's what he uses a lot. I like it. I don't think any translation's perfect, but. This one's pretty well balanced. I agree, Dustin. And it seems like that one there is kind of a lot easier for me to comprehend it. Because, you know, I like my Jewish um, complete Bible, complete Jewish Bible. But I'm starting to go to that one there a little bit more, too. I, mean, I cross-reference all of them. But them yeah. two don't go, too. That's a good cross-reference. Multiple. I like the easy to read version too. <laughs> I like the easy to read version. What's it's, that? The, it's 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 very simple. <laughs> it's a very simple translation. I'll see if I can find uh um hang on. For real, there's a Bible code easy. Translation? It's called the easy to read, the ERV, easy to read translate or easy to read version. Yes, ma'am. That's a new one on me. <laughs> you can find some, some really cool stuff on those Bible apps. Yeah. Yep. That's where I found the the MEV that I really enjoy. It it's a it's basically their attempt at taking the King James and making it directly into modern English. And it run, it's off the same 
the Masoretic text and the received text manuscripts, just like the King James is, and it's 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 a really neat version. It's, it's pretty well unheard of. Like nobody really reads it. It, it kind of failed when they launched that one, but it's it's okay. What was the abbreviations again for this Bible you're reading from? HCSB. I'll type it in the chat real quick. H. Okay. I am on uh, East Four, but I also have my Hallelujah in front of me. Um. HCSB. Yeah, it's not on eSword. I think you can buy it on eSword. I'm not positive on that, but it's not on eSword. It is on the, if you got the version Bible app, most people use version. Um, it is on it. This is, if you've ever heard of the, the Christian Standard Bible, this is the original Christian Standard Bible. The, the CSB, the, the Christian Standard Bible, is the revision of this text. I, I have the CSB, but I prefer the HCSB. Old That's the way I am, too. Yeah. They revised it in 2017. Um, yeah, and then and they stopped making the HCSB. Yeah, it's so incredibly different. It's not really even a revision. It's completely different, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, so, Miss Tammy, if you go to like, say, number 1615, it says Moses was very angry. This is the World English Bible. I like it, this translation too. Uh, it's on Esau. It says Moses was very angry and said to Yahuwah, Don't respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Well, the ERV, the easy to read, reads it this way. So Moses became very angry. He said to the Lord, I never did anything wrong to these people. I never took anything from them. Not even a donkey don't accept their gifts. It, it, it just, it literally makes it easy to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who did it's, that take into? Don't it tie in? Was it Elijah or was it Samuel? About which one of them that, that ties into that says I ain't never took a donkey from them. You probably got it on here. It might be from that portion we're about to read in Samuel. First Samuel. There you go. You got it on there. Yeah. But I see the difference in what you're saying. It's it's just interesting to me. Like 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 all of us have basically said, I like the bounce around between translations and just see how each one uh, mm -hmm. each one plays it. I think that's just as important as you know doing word studies and stuff like that because even with the word study, you know, if you look up a strong's number and you see 15,000 different ways that it can be used, that doesn't necessarily I mean, it's helpful, but when you see different translations actually taking that same Hebrew or Greek word and each translation using a different word to, to state it, it helps you visually see the difference in what the words can mean. So. And it also allows you to squash any thought 
that any English translation is inspired because especially the King Jamesers because there there's words that they've translated that do not mean what they meant in 1611 and so with language change comes the necessity to change language in these scriptures don't you be knocking my unicorns now uh-huh. That's the reason why I say, brother, the Abba has not let me leave out of Torah yet. He's he's like, what you going to test those things to? How are you going to know just by hearing whether something's true or not? I've tried to go in the Enoch and had to come right back out. And I think he's just, it's a good, if, if you stick to the Torah for at least do two portions of them before going venturing out. When you, I think when I do go go out into these extra books, I'll be able to hear it and know this ain't right or this yeah. is true. Because I've unlearned, I've had to unlearn so much. I don't want to unlearn nothing else. Mm-hmm. I'm done I... with that. I don't have all of it right. I still have to unlearn some stuff. Well, I think that's what he's doing in my life. That's what I was talking about. Oh, go ahead. And just like right here with these Torah portions, these Torah portions will help you tie in into the New Testament and to the um apocryphal books and bring out what you what you know to be true. And I think that's helping me build a little bit. I hope it is. Yes, ma'am. I think all of it needs to be tested to the Torah, ultimately. Even the New Testament, like that's that's one thing that I wish more, you know, modern churchgoers that actually care to learn. You know what I mean? And I don't say that in a negative way, but there's a lot of people that just go to church just to, you know, fill up a seat on Sunday because they were taught that's what you're supposed to do. Like the the Tim McGraw song, you know, go to church because your mama told you. That's not why you should go to church. You should go to church because you want to go to church. <laughs> right. It's that uh, heart, it's that heart, Papa. Yeah, but the Bereans, <laughs> what did they study? They studied the Torah. They studied the Torah. They went, they went through the whole tonight. When, when, when Paul spoke to them, they said, "Let's go test this and see if you're correct." You know. Now we did, we did the twelve patriots, didn't we, Dustin? Yeah, I agree with the the Testament of the Twelve. Yeah. There's just I've 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 went through a few texts that I don't agree with, um, and I mentioned Jasher earlier. I don't. I've found too many errors. Jasher, for example, states that Pharaoh who died 
you know, with the crossing of the Red Sea, lived through that and went to uh, basically denounced his pharaohhood and went to be went on to become the king of Nineveh. That's not what that's not what this forest states. So I don't I don't take that. But Jubilees, I do take a scripture, you know, and there's been multiple things that people have tried to say is wrong in it. And I've found, I've went through and I've found other texts that are still considered Deuterocanon, like the book of Judith, for example, when it talks about, and Jubilees 50, do not fast on the Sabbath. Judith, chapter eight, actually speaks of Judith during her time of uh, widowhood, fasting all the days besides the, the eve of the Sabbath, on the Sabbath and on the feast days, she did not fast. It's like, well, there's your comparison for Jubilees right there. That's literally like the only thing that anybody's ever been able to say against Jubilees, though, by the way. At least to me. But. And again, just like we do with these tour portions, I'm, I'm going to go back through and read from cover to cover or from beginning to end the book of jubilees again but i'll be right back my daughter's calling all right anybody got anything else to add i know she said she'd be right back but before we go to Samuel, I take that as a no. <laughs> I'll tell you what, while we're waiting on her, I will go ahead and read Enoch chapter 63, verses 1 through 11. No, I'll just read the whole thing. It's only 12. It says, In those days will the mighty and the kings who possess the earth implore him to grant them a little respite from his angels of punishment to whom they were delivered that they might fall down and worship before the lord of spirits and confess their sins before him and they will bless and glorify the lord of spirits and say blessed is the lord of spirits and the lord of kings and the lord of the mighty and the lord of the rich and the lord of glory and the lord of wisdom and splendid in every secret thing is your power from generation to generation and your glory forever and ever Deep are all your secrets and innumerable, and your righteousness is beyond reckoning. We have now learned that we should glorify and bless the Lord of kings and him who is king over all kings. And they will say, would that, would that we had rest to glorify and give thanks and confess our faith before his glory. And now we long for a little rest, but find it not. We, fellow, we follow hard upon and obtain it not. And light has vanished from before us, and darkness is our dwelling place forever and ever. For we have not believed before him, nor glorified the name of the Lord of Spirits, nor glorified our Lord. But our hope was in the scepter of our kingdom and in our glory. And in the day of our suffering and tribulation, he saves us not. And we find no respite for confession that our Lord is true in all his works and in his judgments and his justice and his judgments have no respect of persons. 
and we pass away from before his face on account of our works, and all our sins are reckoned up in righteousness. Now they will say unto themselves, Our souls are full of unrighteous gain, but it does not prevent us from descending from the midst therefore or thereof into the burden of Sheol. And after that their faces will be filled with darkness and shame before the Son of Man, and they will be driven from his presence, and the sword will abide before his face in their midst. So, so spoke the Lord of Spirits. This is the ordinance and judgment with respect to those mighty and kings and the exalted and those who possess the earth before the Lord of Spirits. <clears throat> now I'll read First uh, Samuel 11, 14 through 12, 22. It says, then Samuel said to the people, come, let's go to Gilgal so we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal and there in the Lord's presence, they made Saul king. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence and Saul and all the men of Israel greatly rejoiced. Then Samuel said to all Israel, I have carefully listened to everything you said to me and placed the king over you. Now you can see that the king is leading you. As for me, I'm old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have led you from my youth until today. Here I am. Bring charges against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox or donkey have I taken? Whom have I wronged or mistreated? From whose hand have I taken a bribe to overlook something? I will return it to you. You haven't wronged us. You haven't mistreated us, and you haven't taken anything from anyone's hand, they responded. He said to them, the Lord is a witness against you, and his anointed is a witness today, that you haven't found anything in my hand. He is a witness, they said. Then Samuel said to the people, The Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, and who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt, is a witness. Now present yourselves, so I may con or confront you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. When Jacob went to Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord, and he sent them Moses and Aaron, who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord, their God. So he handed them over to Caesarea, commander of the army of Hazor, to the Philistines, and to the king of Moab. These enemies fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, for we abandoned the Lord and worshipped the Baals, and the Ashtaroths, now deliver us from the power of our enemies, and we will serve you. So the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel. He rescued you from the power of the enemies around you, and you lived securely. But when you saw the, that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, No, we must have a king rule over us, even though the Lord your God is your king. Now, here is your king, or here, here is the king you've chosen, the one you requested. Look, this is the king the Lord has placed over you. If you fear the Lord, worship and obey him, and if you don't rebel against the Lord's command, then both you and the king who rules over you will follow the Lord your God. However, if you disobey the Lord and rebel against his command, the Lord's hand will be against you and against your ancestors. Now, therefore, present yourselves. 
And see the great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Isn't the wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain so that, the, so that you will know and see what a great evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourselves. Samuel called on the Lord and on that day, the Lord sent thunder and rain. As a result, all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. They pleaded with Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so we won't die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. Samuel replied, don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't profit or deliver you. They are worthless. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. That reminded me of Ezekiel. What do you got, Seth? What do you mean? I don't know. You got any comments? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was actually just talking to me, to my wife, and I was like, I like that. What you just read at the end of that chapter. I'm going to save that one on my U version. Uh, and anyway, when I said that out loud, right after I said that to her, you were like, What you got, Seth? Uh, uh, <laughs> what's it? Uh, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good advice that, you know, in general, don't be afraid, even though you've committed all this evil. Don't turn away from following the Lord. Amen. I mean, that's just. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. What a comfort that, I mean. He's determined. He's determined. There's some more of that uh, sovereignty. <laughs> Wait till it gets to Acts. So, yeah, it goes through a lot, a good chunk of Ezekiel talking about the name of. The name of the Most High, or for His name's sake. Uh, Ezekiel 20, for example. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not follow my statutes and they rejected my ordinances. The person who does them will live by them. They also completely profaned my Sabbaths. So I considered pouring out my wrath on them in the wilderness to put an end to them. But I acted because of my name. 
so that it would not be profaned in the sight or in the eyes of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. I'll go to, let's read Malachi now. <laughs> Malachi. One through 12, it says, see, I am going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant you desire. See, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like cleansing lye. He will be a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. Then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord as in days of old and years gone by. I will come to you in judgment, and I will be ready to witness against sorcerers and adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the widow and the fatherless, and cheat the wage earner and against those who deny justice to the foreigner. They do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, because I, Yahweh, have not changed. You, descendants of Jacob, have, have not been destroyed. Since the days of your fathers, you have returned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth of the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate for you will be a delight, a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Welcome back, Miss Tammy and welcome, Bo. Why did you just re finish reading, brother? Uh, Malachi. <laughs> Malachi 3, 1 through 12. What do you call it? <laughs> Malachi. <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the first thing that you know it says Malachi yeah, it says Malachi <laughs> right you can't be mature all the time no. that's what my wife just told me gotta have fun every now and then you gotta have fun. Now we're in all of Jude. 
Then you guys can say you read a whole book of the Bible today. <laughs> it says, Jude, a slave or servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, Although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some men who were des designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into promiscuity and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now I want to remind you, though you know all these things, the Lord first saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And he has kept with eternal chains in darkness for the judgment of the great day, the angels who did not keep their own position, but deserted their proper dwelling in the same way Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them committed sexual immorality and practiced perversions just as angels did and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Nevertheless, these dreamers likewise defile their flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme glorious ones. Yet Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they don't understand. What they know, by instinct, like unreasoning animals, they destroy themselves with these things. Woe to them, for they have traveled in the way of Cain, have abandoned themselves to the terror of, or to the error of Balaam for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These are the ones who are like dangerous reefs at your love feasts. They feast with you, nurturing only themselves without fear. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds. Trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead, pulled out by the roots, wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. And Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied about them. Look, the Lord comes with thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict them of all their ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him these people are discontented grumblers walking according to their desires their mouths utter arrogant words flattering people for their own advantage but you dear friends remember what was predicted by the apostles of our lord jesus christ they told you in the end time there will be scoffers walking according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are unbelievers, not having the spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, expecting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for, for eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even, yeah, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. 
Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God of our Savior, or to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Down in the, uh, in verse five, isn't that the place where it says the Lord first saved the people out of Egypt? Isn't that, it's kind of disputed. Some translations say Jesus, when Mine Jesus does. does it, ESV does? Yep. Some of them say, some say Jesus. The early manuscripts read Jesus, uh, but it was also Joshua. So you had Yeshua yeah. or Yehoshua. And so the Hebrew, I mean, the Greek is uh, unclear on some of those manuscripts whether it was talking about. Well, that's because in the Septuagint, when it says, which, you know, Septuagint's Old Testament, it uses right. Yesu for Joshua. Right. Because, and, and that's why I don't have a problem saying Jesus, which we talked about that earlier. Yeah. But the, the proper anglicized name of our Savior would be more than likely <laughs> because of how the grammar in, in, in Greek and Hebrew work. Um, it would be transliterated as literally Joshua. Right. His name would be Joshua. That's why even, you know. Well, it is actually written Jesus in the Greek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Some manuscripts yeah, said that. I mean, yeah. Actually written. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're saying, but like, because King James didn't say it. This one doesn't say it. But the Net Bible, the ESV. Yeah. yeah. They say What's written here in the exegetical Look at bag. you nerding out on the software. Well, that's what you would do. I've created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> it's alive! I use, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I use Jesus. I use Abba. I use Yah. I use all of them, but I know him as Yahweh and Yeshua. Yeah, my son was at a, was it Baptist? Their Baptist church, his girlfriend's Baptist church, and the preacher said Yeshua the other day during the sermon. I was like, he said, what? And he said, yeah, he used the name. I said, are you serious? That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, he used the name. <laughs> generally hear that. Yeah, you don't hear that around here. It's like, yeah, who? Well. It's like, well, close. <laughs> who are you talking about? And then so you I get into that conversation. but I think it's becoming more common. It's, We're getting there. Yeah, I think TikTok had a lot to do with it. Social TikTok, media. Yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of companies now uh, that are putting out merchandise and stuff like that that say Yeshua on it. Right. And of course, people will be like, well, what the heck does that mean? I thought you were a Christian company. What does Yeshua mean? <laughs> yeah, right. All we know is Jesus. 
Yeah. When I first come to the church, I went to my pastor's at the church, and I confronted them in what the Father had revealed to me. And I got told to go to another church, which was the Seventh Day Adventist, that I wasn't going to be part of. So I don't know about where y'all stay at, but they're very hateful around here. So, and in the last six months, he's come to teach you the commandments at the church. Huh. They asked you to leave? That's terrible. Yeah. They told me that, you know, that ain't the way they run the church, though. That if I wanted to do something like that, that the closest I could get around there was Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you I what. I've been kicked out of three churches, brother. Three churches. I've been kicked out of. Oh, wow. Well, I would say that that is the opposite of snatching some somebody from the fire by kicking them out of a congregation for asking questions. He said they just hate it all. But like I said, in the last six months, I had somebody to see me um, a message that he did for me tonight at church. And it was about how they should be keeping the Sabbath and what day the Sabbath was on. Sabbath is a big one. Sabbath is a big one. Um, go to Matthew 7. Matthew seven fifteen through 23. <clears throat> it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of, the, of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to you, or say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, 
and do many miracles in your name, then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. You who practice iniquity, James would say. I lost y'all for a second. I know. <laughs> uh, we're going to John chapter 9 or 19 now. We got two more, two more little parts and then we're done. This will be 1 through 17. And it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and threw a purple robe around him. And they repeatedly came up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and were slapping his face. Pilate went outside and said to them, look, I'm bringing him outside to you to let you know I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple police saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Pilate responded, take him and crucify him yourselves, for I find no grounds for charging him. We have a law. The Jews replied to him, and according to that law, he must die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, you're not talking to me. Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him. If it hadn't been given you from above, this is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment, Pilate made every effort to release him, but the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat he sat down on the judge's bench in a place called the Stone Pavement, but in Hebrew, Kabatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was about the six, it was about six in the morning. Then he told the Jews, Here is your king. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. So then, because of them, he handed him over to be crucified. Therefore, they took Jesus away, carrying his own cross. He went out to what is called Skull Place, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha.
right out of the horse's mouth. We have no king but Caesar. And then the last little portion is um, Acts 24, 10 through 21. It says this. When the governor motioned to him to speak, Paul replied, because I know you have been a judge of this nation many, for many years, I am glad to offer my defense and what concerns me. You are able to determine that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They didn't find me disputing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd either in the temple complex or in the synagogues or anywhere in the city. Neither can they provide evidence to you of what they now bring against me, but I confess this to you. I worship my father's God according to the way, which they call a sect, believing all the things that are written in the law and in the prophets. And I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there is going to be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I always do my best to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my nation. And while I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges if they have anything against me. Either let these men here state what wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, or about this one statement I cried out while standing among them. Today, I am being judged before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. And that's the end of the story.